Hey gang. Howdy. That's right. We're back again. Am I wearing the same shirt that I wore in the last podcast? No, certainly not. Nope. Absolutely not. And nor is he. No, 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 no. New day, new clothes. New recording session. Because we never record things, more than one thing at a time. Nope. Never happens. No sorry, Bob. However, we we need to clear something up real quick. Okay. We don't know what podcast episode this is. No. Um, it might be 12. Or 13. It might be 13. But being the brain trusts that we are, yeah, um, <laughs> we seem to have recorded a podcast and possibly completely forgotten about it. Did and we? it's sitting out there waiting to be edited. So... Yeah, just so. bear with us on the whole numbering thing. You get past five, and whatever it says in the title, that's what episode it is. Exactly. But right now, we have not yet decided that. So, right. so just beware. If we say the wrong number, and those of you who have been around us for any length of time know that this, this is not going to come as a surprise to nope. you. So you know, no, anyway. not at all. Um, what's new? Well, I, uh, before we get too far into this, I want to thank another Patreon. Patron. Absolutely. Uh, Stefan. Stefan. And Stefan, I, I hope it's not Stefan. Uh, we think it's Stefan. Uh, Stefan is from Germany. Uh, and we just wanted to thank him for being a supporter on Patreon. Uh, makes a big difference to us being able to do the things that we do. Indeed. So if you would like to become a Patreon patron as well, please take a look at the description of this particular video. If you're listening to this as a podcast, you can go to our website, theoldwarlock.com, and have a look there, and it will have information about how to become a Patreon subscriber. Yeah. But, um, what? Thank you, Stefan. We appreciate you. Stefan, 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 I'm, I'm going to say it's Stefan, but you can correct us if we're wrong. You sure and we'll can. correct it on the air. And thank you to everyone else. Um who has supported our Patreon. Yes. We appreciate yeah, we, uh, it's it's big, it's more successful than we thought it was. It is, yeah. So it's really cool. Um, it's going to help us a lot. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. No. No, no sir, Bob. We are here. Our last our last podcast. Yeah. We spent it talking about Fantasy World magazine. Number 2, edition 2. Yes. And so this time I think we're going to be a little bit more freeform. Yeah. We're just going to, you know, go with the flow, go where the music takes us. Because we've had again we have had people say that they like our directionless banter, although, although one person pointed, mentioned it as being pointless banter and then quickly corrected themselves in a subsequent message. But I thought that was really funny. Yeah, yeah. I love your pointless banter. I, I, mean, uh, I, I mean, mean, directionless banter. Whoops-a-daisies. Yeah, Freudian slip there. But. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, exciting news? Anything? Well, you know... The Gamma World campaign continues apace. It, that it does. We had an absolutely rip snorting good time playing Gamma World this past Sunday evening. And, 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 well, let's go into that just a little bit. Okay. This is our second foray into Gamma World with these characters. Yeah. Surprisingly, no one has died yet. Some of Although you were darn, darn close. close in this last game. I wasn't. I was fine but I was also unconscious on the ground for a good chunk of the fighting. One of his mutations is that if he gets too stressed, go figure, Yeah. in a fantasy role-playing game, or a science fiction role-playing game, Yeah. Um, if he gets too stressed, there's a certain percent chance that he will just go into a fit and not be able to contribute to anything, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> During the scorpion attack. Yeah. But no, the game was the game went well. Go ahead. It, it, no, it went very well. I, I thought that all, all of it, he, he's DMing. GMing. 
GMing. GWMing. GW Gamma Worlding for um, us. And so me and one, two, three, four, four other people are um, making their way through this essentially big spaceport that's been buried underneath the sand. And we're just kind of like um, scavengers. And they're clueless. I mean, yeah. this is, they, they run around, they're slightly above tribal. Yeah, we're like no technology, no really nothing. So we're just kind of making our way through, trying to find valuable stuff. Um, yeah, we had a, we had quite a few close calls last time. We had a plant that was throwing grenades at us. That was fun. Well, they were explosive seed pods. They were mutated explosive seed pods, which was great. Was throwing grenades at us the whole time. It was really annoying. That was um, fun. But and then we fought two giant scorpions and one somehow. We pulled that out. That was, I think that was from Calvin using the stun pistol that you found. No, that wasn't Calvin. That was Billy. Billy actually managed to hit something? Yeah. Well, yeah, he was rolling really well. Yeah, that's Billy, true. That's Billy, true. Yeah. Billy shot both of them. And because Calvin beat the grenade plant. That's true. That yeah. is true. He used his, his mutation that will add points of damage to anything within radius. Yeah, there's like a death aura that yeah. surrounds him when he wants there to be. So he just kind of stood close enough to the plant and survived the grenade barrage for long there enough. grenades, there were explosive seed pods. Potato, potato. Um, grenades, seed pods. No. The exploding seeds. Uh, but he yeah, slowly drained the, the plant and then it died. Then... We had found like a like a stun gun, a phaser on stun, basically, earlier on, that had, what, seven charges? Seven total charges in it, so it could be shot seven times. So that's that's one of the it. cool things about this game. Mm -hmm. So if you got three shots with these things, you better make them count. Yeah, yeah, use them to the best of your, the best of your ability. And so we used up six, but we did kill, stun both of the giant scorpions, and then basically beat them to death. Um, and made sure they were dead. You know, the cool thing to me about that that entire evening, uh -huh. though, was that there was... You only explored, I would say, in terms of linear feet of the of the place yeah. that you were exploring. 300 linear feet? Yeah. 400 Maybe. linear feet at the most, yeah. three rooms, and it took all evening to do it, but that was because everybody was playing so exceptionally well. Yeah. This place is, yeah. You know, this is a this is Gamma World. Everything is mutated. Anything can kill you, and you mm -hmm. guys played accordingly. And yeah, we were that's, very, the, that's the reason you survived. Very slow, very methodic, methodical, very careful yeah. with all of our decisions. We were checking behind us all the time. Um, you know, it didn't do us much good at some points, and we got we got we ended up getting lucky in part. That's why we survived. Right. But right. at the same time, there was a lot of slow and steady wins the race. We know that we can't beat everything by traditional means of just duking it out so right we kind of had to figure out alternative ways to make our way through some of these situations but um, i'm i'm curious though you guys did find the power plant we did to turn the power back well on that was for the spaceport and then the, there was a there's a debate there for 15 minutes 20 yeah. minutes do we turn this power back on because there are inactive robots there are inactive security systems right now yep. if you turn them on are they going to be What's a problem? Oh, yeah, so, Are we going to be fighting a bunch of androids next? Yeah. So. But the, the cool thing about this as well for me, and this comes straight out of Daybreak 2250 AD, a book by Andrew Norton mm. that I read way back in the day. Yeah. Um, you guys are rich in pencils and paper. 
Yeah. You know, that's that's where the the tre that's the treasure of this. It's not really in the laser rifles. It's in well, not hey, that I it's... found I found a bunch of unrusted screws and that's kind of the wealth. That's that's where our functional wealth for right now is. Right. I will say right. that much. If we figure out a way, and that's the tough part. I mean, we were that was one of the big debates as we were kind of closing things out is there are like computers down there, there's robots, there's all kinds of different things that could hypothetically be sold, but there's only Finding the there's market. only five of us and we've got spears and clubs. So it's how do you kind defend of, it? Yeah, how do how do we how keep do you market from it? finding out where it is? How do we yeah, all that stuff is gonna have to be Which, a big That's gonna be yeah, that's the future. That's gonna be that's tough. the future of the game. So yeah, it's gonna but, be fun. But it was fun because the first time we played it it kind of seemed like there was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of like future with these characters going a long way and doing a lot of stuff. But now that we've kept going, yeah. we're kind of we're all on the mindset of we want to keep playing this campaign and want to kind of see where this kind of see, see where this ends up. We're attached to our characters now. We weren't the first time, right? right. Um, I can say that some members of the party, I think, were actively trying to get their characters killed the first the time first they were time. playing so yep. that they could re-roll. But it didn't happen. They're still alive, and we all kind of like them now. Yeah. So we're using them good. to the best of our ability. It's really our, good. Yeah. So yeah, that's in terms of play, that's where we are right now. It's Gamma World. That is what we've been doing, and it's a, it's not, you know, it's a very different experience from, um, traditional Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's you can't. We're not going into it with the same kind of mindset of how we're going to play the game, how we're going to play the characters, or what our expectations are. At well, least right now. Yeah, I, I think that the thing is you're. You guys are just wandering in the dark. Yeah. In terms of in terms of what the world is, how it functions, you, you're not there yet. But you're starting to understand how this little tiny section of that world is functioning. Yeah. I.e. the starport. Yeah. Buried in the sand. And that, I think, is where you've started to really get things together and move forward. Yeah. So, but yeah, then there's a huge world outside of the starport that you're going to have to that, deal with. It's, right? it's going to be a little bit, the world's a little bit bigger than I think it is in. D&D &D right. when most of the time we play. Yeah. Anyway, it was fun. Yeah, it was. Um, what else is going on? We are continuing watching The Last of Us. Yes. Still cruising on through that. For those of you who didn't watch our video talking about our critiques of The Last of Us from a role-playing gamer's perspective, which is a lot of you who didn't watch that video. Although a lot of people, I think, have not watched the show. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, yeah, so not everybody yeah. has an HBO Max subscription. That's true. But if you want to watch it, go check that out. Uh, we actually we liked making it. If nothing it was, else, yeah, it was fun, we, we, it was fun we for us. Fun thrown together. Yeah. Um, that's half of what we're doing. Here. But yeah, we did watch. We did watch. Uh, we've been watching that quite a bit, and that's our that's our biggest. It's the go-to. It's the go-to right weekly thing that we're excited about and that right. we talk about. Um. Yeah, they had a heck of a depiction of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Which we are very familiar with. We are for what for reasons we won't get into. But yeah, yeah, it was just kind of funny to go. That's how they see Jackson. Oh, that's their depiction of Jackson. <laughs> okay, you've never, you've never been there. Yeah, you? you guys didn't even bother to go by. Yeah. Well, and in the last one, they were. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm really enjoying the show, but. Mm -hmm. When they started talking about the geography of Wyoming, again, oh, yeah. it was very much, could you not have called the Wyoming Tourism Office and said, okay, if I tell people we're going to do this, followed by this, followed by this, does that make any sense to the people yeah. who live in that region? No, as a matter of fact, it doesn't. No, but I respected the effort. They really did <laughs> they try. Did. Um, they knew that there was an interstate. They did. They got, it was <laughs> so, the right one, too. But it was also actually a good, well, a good three days travel away by foot. So. Yeah. 
But what, yeah. what did, more than that actually? What did crack me up was um, the there's a university in the last episode we watched, and they called it what Eastern University, Eastern, Eastern university Colorado, Eastern Colorado, Eastern Colorado. Yeah. and um, their their symbol was the it's a ram, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a ram. It was like a goat or something. Um, I can't remember what it was. Which now. it was, and then I googled. I'm like, is there a University of Eastern Colorado that I just haven't heard of? And it's just a ripoff of Colorado State University. Right, right. But that cracked me up. As yeah, I was, but, as I was but again, like, hey, it was just one of those. You guys could have made a couple phone calls and sorted all this out. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah, <laughs> been okay. But it doesn't it doesn't detract from the show. It's just funny for people who are familiar with the area they're talking about. Well, and to see that. but again, at the same time. Um, the Wyoming Film Office, to my knowledge, does not really do a lot to attract people to film in state. No, no. So you know, the, the filmmakers have to be forgiven if they film this in Canada. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> because they've been invited in country and given tax incentives to do so. Yeah. But if, like if any of you have ever seen um, Wind River, that movie that has Jeremy Renner, which and, is set uh, in Wyoming, which great show. Oh, um, it's an incredible really movie. Good. Very violent and upsetting, but, but it's a still very very, very good. good movie. Not a Not moment of it. Well, it's and even the, uh, the the really popular TV show uh, Longmire. Longmire was I think that was a that's, shot in that's Utah, set, wasn't it? No, I think it's uh, shot in Southern Colorado. But again, Jeez. it was set in Wyoming. Yeah, I think Wyoming steps up and says, "Hey, we would love to have you actually yeah. film that here." Nah, nah, nothing. Um, <laughs> same, same thing with Yellowstone. I think that's shot in. That's supposed to be mostly oh, yeah. in Montana, yeah, but I think true. there's some forays into Wyoming. None, no. not shot here. Anyway, we digress. Um, we do, but you've got some new shows and things set in Colorado <laughs> and Wyoming and Montana. If you want to go watch those, there I guess. you go. There you go. Our movie recommendations for the day. Um, I wanted to move into something that I purchased the other day. Feel free. What, what, how much time have we already killed doing basic talking basically about nothing? Uh, we're 15 minutes deep at this point, so we've got a good 15 minutes before we swap over to. Uh, the Patreon side. Yeah. Well, I went uh, to a gaming store. Uh, yesterday it was. Two days ago, sorry. And picked up a copy of something that I have seen on um, Kickstarter that I, I got into it late. I didn't actually get the chance to be a part of the Kickstarter campaign. I wish I had, but it was over and done by the time I, I stumbled onto it. But it's called... Into the Weird and Wild. I'm holding up the book right now for people who are looking at this on video. It looks good. For those of you who are just listening to the podcast, it's Into the Weird, W-Y-R-D, and Wild, W-I-L-D, by Charles Ferguson Avery. I have fallen in love with this book. Have you? It is not that way, <laughs> I swear. It's, again, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I'm looking for a new co-host. So you can't have interested. one. I'm a third. I'm a third share owner. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this this into the weird and wild is. I, I'm. We're going to be doing a video about it because I like it so much. Um. And it's really just a a, a set of rules. And these are. This is system agnostic. This yeah. that's the reason I bought it. Mm -hmm. But it, you can tell when you read it that okay, it was really kind of intended for OSR, for yeah. the old school Renaissance crowd. But uh, it gives some basic rule sets, really simple rules for making a journey into what is ostensibly a a not a haunted forest, but it's more a, of a think Appalachia um, folklore. Almost. Filled forest is, is kind of the feeling I got. Like the, I know you're not supposed to say the word because that summons them, but Wendigos, like that kind yeah. of um, 
Thanks. Those kinds of creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but think think D and D with that kind of a concept and approach with that theming and dropped into this this wild area, this wild forest that mm -hmm. has that operates under under rules all its own. Yeah. Uh, but it's very he's he's come up with uh, this Charles Ferguson Avery has come up with really simple processes we'll be getting more into detail about how you could integrate this into your campaign in the future in mm -hmm. another video but I wanted to talk about just to give you a feel for some of this I wanted to talk about a couple of the monsters that are included along with these rules I mean there's a lot of stuff in this and it's, it's a it's a big book and it's not very expensive I highly recommend getting it uh, if you get the opportunity um but one of the things I loved is this thing called, this is a, a monster called the Alapepper. Uh, so, <laughs> the the Alapur, sorry. Good try. I, yeah, okay. Uh, moving on. The Alapur is like, basically it's a snake. It's almost like a rattlesnake. Um, and I'm going to read a fair bit of this. It lists, under this, this uh, listing for this monster, it lists, under this list it lists, good English, Jim. Under this Entry. This, this is the second lists, podcast we've recorded in a row. Um, yeah, so. contact. Uh, armor class as leather. Hit dice, one hit dice. Hit points, five. Uh, move standard. Then for damage, it does a bite, 1d4 plus disease. So we'll get on to the um, description. Um, the sound of beads striking one another is in a rising rattle is the first time. That's the way that you first know that this creature is around. Basically, rattlesnake. Rattlesnake. Um, a fat reptilian coil, the color of a bruise, laced with white double helix pattern running down its back. Uh, it sits with a wide-fanged mouth agape. The insides of his mouth are the color of warm pus. It reeks like a military hospital or the sickbed of someone dying. The foul stench of illness surrounds this horrid little thing. And again, it's not a very strong monster. Five hit points. But a venom snake's greatest weapon tends to be the lethal chemicals it stores in its glands. A dangerous injection that renders prey or assailant incapacitated. However, the Aleper has crafted a different way of subduing opponents. Inside its specialized sacs fester a virtual petri dish of disease and malady. This Good word. Malady. I didn't, I didn't come up with it, but it is a great word. Not what I am a fan. Uh, this lethal concoction simmers with nearly every recorded pathogen, as well as some specifically found only, only in the Aleper. A single bite from an Aleper risks contracting anything from measles to scarlet fever, while a second bite may contain an entirely different disease. Uh, the Aleper hunts in the cool of the night, seeking prey with an elaborate heat-detecting sense it may not kill in the first bite. This it understands, but by infecting its prey, it weakens it with disease while also making it an unwitting pathological vector. And this is where it starts getting really interesting for me. Mm. As the disease spreads, the Aleper finds easy meals amongst the newly affected. So this, this whole biological construct of this mm -hmm. Aleper it not just infects it doesn't just infect one thing yeah it infects one thing hoping that many other things get infected so it has an easy set of meals yeah. going forward um, entire ecosystems or populaces have been decimated due to a single aleper bite love the idea of this yeah very dark but i like it uh, then it has a, a list of random diseases that you can you can go and do with this mm -hmm. if you if you so desire there's another great thing in here called the Arcanus Arachne, which are which are spell weaving spiders. Spider. I don't like spiders. But this, you know, again, great thing. No, yeah, very creative. They can create uh, first through third level spells without even knowing it. They're not consciously doing it; it just happens mm -hmm. for them. Um, really, a cool monster. But there are fifty of these these creatures. 
Yeah, and I mean, all of them are... I don't... I, like, I haven't looked at this as extensively as you have, but the ones that I have seen, none of them are, like, any kind of creature that really, for the most part, I've seen in any of the manuals right. or anything like that. This right. is something that's completely new, completely original, which is kind of tough to do with Dungeons and Dragons, which is a game that's kind of had everything done to death at some point right. or and another. It's, it's tough to come up with new things. I agree. And this is what the, he's done just something that's why I think I, why I really like this was because these things were a, this is a very creative man yeah and he's just come up with a new angle or new perspective mm. for developing a lot of these creatures yeah uh, he comes up with a whole series I love dryads um, I've always loved dryads in my campaign I think that the I, I developed a whole subculture of dryads he used them campaign. a lot and there's some really funny results that some really good stuff but he has come up with I uh, should be using his name. Uh, Charles Ferguson Avery yeah. has come up with the Dryadi, which are a whole series of different dryads that operate in different ways. And so they call the, these different Dryadi groups um, groves, and each grove has different characteristics. So there's a whole series of different types of dryads that yeah. you could end up running into, which, again, is great. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find one of the... At the very back here... So it goes through all of these monsters. Again, we'll be talking about this again in the future. I want to talk about one more thing here about factions. There are this this is the really cool aspect of this whole thing. There where are, the creativity really starts to run wild. Yeah, um, I love this. There is the the first one off the off the bat is the Court of Broken Branches. So the wilds are home to many a broken thing. Uh, children abandoned by their parents, beasts left for dead by their pack, deserters, mind sh minds shattered by the horrors of war, and common folk exiled perhaps simply for being different. In the pits of their despair, they cry out for solace, begging and praying for the faintest glimmer of belonging and hope. Just their like me. Oh, brother. Their prayers go unanswered by all, save for one, the Lady of Broken Branches. So, the Lady of Broken Branches um, has existed since before the dawn of civilization. What happens is, I'll, I'll try and summarize this, the Lady of Broken Branches in The Weird and the Wild, she goes and she saves these lost or forgotten or outcast creatures. Uh, he's, for those of you who are just listening, he's pointing to himself. Yeah, it's true. There's a reason for him being an outcast, but... <clears throat> But hey, um, hey. was that out loud? I'm hey. sorry. God, he he's I, so I, funny. I gotta keep. That he to forgets myself. that I'm fifty percent him. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So, um, anyway, the Lady of Broken Branches. She goes and she brings these people, and she cares for them, and she she fixes them, she stitches them up, and there's all kinds of interesting. There's an interesting description about how she does that and the magic that she uses, but she's not one hundred percent beneficent, 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 benevolent. But she's not 100% benevolent or good. Let's just go with good. Omnibenevolent, one could say. One could say. Anyway, um, <laughs> but what she does is she has this huge number of... She's been collecting these beings since, well, forever. And they are totally loyal to her because she has given them a purpose and a place to be. And she is therefore a, an extremely powerful being yeah. in this in this weird and wild forest that she lives in, because she can call these people who are totally loyal loyal to her, mm -hmm. and she can send them off to destroy towns or cities 
if though if she considers those things to be a threat to her existence and the existence of her followers yeah um but there's a lot more detail in it about that i'm not doing it justice but these are the kinds of things in here that i just love about this book also i want to point out the art in here charles nice i stuff. don't know if you drew this or if you he had, had he i read about it he had a number of different people help him with this but it's because great. the people who drew some of these images like all of these images are incredible some of this stuff is it's very it's old school it's very old school stuff some of it is some of it's a little bit comic booky in a way but like kind of the darker side of comic books but it's also it's very fitting for the feel yes. of what very he's made so. here very much so. it all fits in great and it just it makes the whole book entertaining and it makes it flow very easily yeah um so anyway I, this is something that i just wanted to talk about briefly because i i bought it like i said two days ago and i have just started to love this oh, like this. this creation i'm going to talk about one more and then we're done this is the feral knight going back to the monsters and away from the from the different factions mm -hmm. this is the feral knight uh, armor class as plate and shield if wielding one eight hit dice 45 hit points uh, damage as per weapon i just want to read the description of this um these were once resplendent knights bodies tempered and minds gone rabid and they serve unwitting sentinel they serve as unwitting unwitting sentinels in the wilds um because they have been, there have been many attempts to destroy the wilds through martial force. Kingdoms raising mighty soldiers, heroes rising to become mighty warriors, magi crafting magical armaments, all, armaments, all to slaughter the terrors that plague the fringes of civilization. The wilds are seen as being dangerous and deadly to civilization. Mm. Uh, the wilds find all of these armies lacking, however, and so in the darkened shadows between the trees, it splinters their minds and makes them crawl like beasts. So what essentially this is, is these, these feral knights are knights that have been possessed by the yeah. wild, and they now have been turned to serve as sentinels against anybody who tries to enter the wilds and inflict their will upon Which them. Which is darn cool. Oh, yeah. It's, um, let's see. They, they, these, the feral knights do not commit violence against the wilds itself. Any such cases only to feed as they seem to have a taste for raw flesh. But they are in tune with their surroundings, careful to avoid stepping on budding saplings and oblivious to the creatures that writhe and nest in their armor. Surrounded by nature, they can easily be mistaken for a large suit of rusted, overgrown armor if they lay still. Adventurers who succumb to this mistake find themselves in very mortal danger. Again, um, I just love what I've read so far in this book. And it was extremely popular on Kickstarter, and yeah. I can easily see why. Oh, yeah. No, it's like... I don't know, like, and, then, and we, we always talk about the importance of creativity and how important having creative things is to us on the channel. And this is one of the biggest and most impressive ways I've seen creativity yeah. put into Dungeons and Dwell, well, not Dungeons and Dragons technically, but you know what I mean, into Dungeons and Dragons. Fantasy role playing games. Yeah, in a, in, a, in a very long time, especially in the modern era yes. when most of the supplements that are created are put out by you know, Wizards of the Coast and things like that. So there's not a lot of, at least to this level, there right. aren't huge right. amounts of things that are produced um, this professionally with this good of art, with this, you know, it's it's this well-written, things like that. So this is a yeah. really cool supplement. It's a nice little breath of fresh air right. in terms of well, OSR supplements. And, and there are a number of things on DriveThruRPG. There are things on Dragon's Foot yeah, that, and that are very creative. And we're not saying no. that there isn't, but in terms of the, a professional publication that... Uh, I think this was $35, and it is 100 and some pages long. 
two, oh, sorry, sorry, 245 pages long, uh, 245 pages of D&D goodness or yeah. fantasy role-playing goodness uh, for 35 bucks. This is a heck of a yeah, deal. It's a heck of a purchase. It is and really it's, good. It just, it looks nice. It's the it perfect does. size. It, it does. Can just, for those of you who just like to have things on the shelves, because we like to just have things on the shelves sometimes, look yep. at the spine on that. Just slots right in there. Just, mm. And for those of you who are just listening to the podcast, sorry, but it really looks cool. Just look up into the weird and wild, and you'll be able to see what we're talking about. Yeah. But I just wanted to mention it. Absolutely. No, good it's, stuff. it's something that good we stuff. are quite big fans of. Um, and unfortunately, it's looking like that might be all the time we've got here. It's a little bit shorter of one today, but we're coming up in about half an hour. Wizard spell. Wizard spell? You want to do that real Let's quick? Let's do a wizard spell. Okay. I'm going to do a random wizard spell out of volume three of the Wizard's Spell Compendium from the uh, second edition book of same name-ish thing. I don't know, I'm trying to be all fancy and it's not working. Nope. <laughs> you're supposed to agree with me. Like, no, no, oh, no, it's, no, it's okay. No, you're so fancy, yeah. father. There we go. Yeah. Oh, for, again, I'm looking for a new co-host. Don't can't. tell Alexander. You can't. Uh, volume 3, Wizard Spell Compendium. I'm going to flip this bad boy open. And we're going to go with this spell right here. This is... Number exciting, but I'm going to read it anyway. No, yeah, it's random. So we'll I've got to do it. Make the bed, lay in it. Well, I, I, I put my finger down between protection from poison, red wizard, and protection from possession. I think I'm going to go with protection from... Possession. 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 That's more interesting. Protection from possession, 10-foot radius. Uh, fourth level spell. Saving throw, none. 10-foot radius around creature touched. This spell generates a globe of protection that protects all creatures within its confines from possession by magical spell and spell-like attacks, such as Magic Jar for two rounds per caster level. The sphere has no effect on established conditions, except at the highest levels. Uh, the globe is centered on and mobile with the creature touched. Otherwise, the degree of protection depends on the caster's level. Um, it does a lot of other stuff. If the saving throw... You know what? I, I'm not going to do this one. Are we going to find another one? I'm going to find another one because this is very complicated and we're, we're pressed for time. Okay. So I'm going to do I'm going to do another random spell. Okay, here we are. Oh, okay, this sounds kind of cool. Um, this is the Sands of Time spell, 7th level. Here we go. Saving throw negates it. With this spell, a wizard can reverse the effects of aging and erosion on any non-living material object. Mm. The degree of aging that can be reversed depends upon the level of the caster. The table, there's a table down below, uh, also shows the average effects of time and the elements on various materials. Papyrus and wooden objects fade over time, making it difficult but not impossible to read or identify surface features. Fragile objects must survive an item saving throw versus fall each time they are reused, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. But with this spell, you can, depending on your level, you can reverse time on any one of these objects from any time from 30 days if you're a 30th level wizard which we do not have in my campaign no, 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 no. but according to this if you had a 30th level wizard you could reverse time five million years and bring things back to where you could use them so for example That's, that is pretty cool an 18th level wizard could for example turn even a pile of dust back into the new clean piece of papyrus it once was turn the crumbled remains of a staff back to its original form, or even restore a painted map on the wall of a temple constructed of soft stone. Mm -hmm. This spell cannot restore damage done to an object by anything other than natural aging or erosion. For example, it could not recover a wand whose final charge was expended, 
uh, use the table as a guide for object for <coughs> other objects that don't exactly fit into these categories. But I like that. Quite I like a bit. it. That's a ver that could be very useful, um, especially with books and whatnot, because there have been quite a few instances in yes. playing role-playing games with you where paper is just too old and it falls apart. It crumbles. Yeah. yeah. So I think that could be that, that's a neat spell. I like that a lot. So anyway, yeah, just another little little bit of D and D fun for you. Yeah. But that's so, all we've um, got, really, for this podcast. Yeah, thanks for stopping by for episode insert number here. Look yes. below at the title. We appreciate you guys coming by, and we appreciate your support. Be sure to check out our Patreon. Be sure to check out our website. Be sure to check out our Instagram. Be sure to check out our Spreadshirt. Is that it? I think that's it. Check out our YouTube if you're not there already. And um, there you go. And remember, Into the Weird and Wild, I highly recommend you look into it just to see if it's something you would want to pick up. Into the Weird, W-Y-R-D, and Wild, W-I-L-D. Yes. And uh, keep your eyes open for a video, possibly, about that yeah. in some more depth here at some point, because yeah. we really like it. Yep. So yeah. That's it. I've got nothing else at this point. I am Alexander. I'm Jim. Keep your sword arms free. Bye-bye. We'll see you in the bonus. <laughs>